It is Wednesday, November 11th. Happy Veterans Day to everybody out there. We are here for another edition of the What's the Snaps podcast, your favorite podcast, hosted by two dudes named Mike, who used to be college roommates. I'm your co-host, Mike Fink, joined as always by our other co-host, Michael Sussman. Suss, how's it, go- how's it going? Um, I'm doing great tonight. Happy to be here, and uh, happy Veterans Day from me as well. Yep, and happy Veterans Day to everybody. I come from a military family, so a blanket statement to everybody in my family. If you are listening, thank you very much to your, for your service. And not just people in my family, but obviously for everyone who served. Thank you for that, for keeping this country safe. For us to be able to watch football, even if while we're watching football, it is the Mountaineers losing to the Texas Longhorns, which is what we witnessed this weekend. And I'm not too happy about it. What are your takeaways from that game, Sus? God damn it. Yeah. Yeah. Those two two words describe it all. I'm I'm 100% in agreement with you. Because we had the game. I thought we Texas did not win that game. We lost it. 100%. And it boils down to the two fourth and one plays. The play calls. What was what going thinking? on? Oh, my goodness. He, like, they went to the end zone twice. The first one from, like, 25 yards out. I mean, I guess they kind of had the play, but they threw it on third down as well. Just use your head. It's conventional wisdom. I don't want to hear the statistical nonsense like 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 Neil Brown was trying to give in the post-game press conference. I understand that there's statistical probabilities, but I also understand how long one yard is, and it's not very long. Just run the freaking ball, do a little screenplay to O'Laughlin or whatever you got to do to get one or two yards. Don't go to the end zone twice. No, I, I agree. And you and I talked about it earlier on the radio station, WMOV. Give it a listen every Wednesday night. You'll have the boys on there. But the first fourth and one when we went for the end zone, I was okay with it. I thought it was a risky move. We're down in the game, seven minutes left. If we can get this score, our defense can shut them out. And I figured we'll probably get the ball back. And we did, but the fourth and one didn't work out. So the next time on fourth and one, I figured, okay, fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, you can't get fooled again. And we did. We did. We went for it on fourth and one to the end zone. I mean, I understand that WVU might not have a back to get that one yard. You know, we don't have a John Kuhn or a Najee Harris like Alabama does, who is just downhill and can definitely get you that one yard. But we have to have a fourth and one play call with two minutes left in the game, three minutes left in the game to get that one yard. Because I don't know about you, but I like the statistics that if you get the first down, you get four more tries at the end zone. I think Letty being hurt was a big crutch. I think Mm -hmm. in an ordinary week, I think he's that guy that could plow ahead for a yard. I can see where maybe that that factored into the play call. But they went all the way to the end zone. There's some kind of in-between. You can run something, maybe a little quarterback quarterback draw with Daggy. Maybe try to get something to the outside, a little jet sweep screen pass. I don't know. Get creative, but don't just throw it straight, straight down the seam. To the crib, two drives in a row. It's a low percentage play. I agree 100%. And speaking of Letty Brown being injured, I think the major crutch for us was the run game. In games, we're able to run the ball, and we have outrushed our opponents. We are undefeated in the season. But we don't do it. We've lost every game of the season, obviously. And that's what happened this week. We were outrushed significantly. Uh, Texas had close to 140 yards on the ground, and we had a whopping 60-ish around there, which is not good. 
At the third loss, Mark, you really can't have a great season anymore. You, you can have a decent season. You can leave. You can leave on a positive note. But at four and three, can we leave this year with with a big accomplishment, or is that just kind of a nail in the coffin, average season, maybe next year already? Well, we we talked about it a little bit last week. We have a rough road ahead of us after Texas. Yeah, we, we do. still have to play Iowa State and Oklahoma, just to name two. We have so we got to play. We got to mm-hmm. play close to our best game of the season twice, at least. Exactly. To be semi-relevant to play in a mediocre bowl where we were playing some scrub American athletic conference team. And we might get blown out. Who knows from how our offense is playing. Somebody this might is, hang 27 points and beat us. This is, this is why I started off the episode with the GED. Mm-hmm. Just for the, for the reason that I'm just like, it, it was that kind of moment. These are years of my life. I can't wait an entire whole year. I can't, can you, like, okay, yeah, it's going to be 365 days till the Mountaineers are good again. Trust the climb. Just trust it. Like, come on. I still trust it because I do see improvement from last year. No, I think I, we are a better team from last year. I am getting to the side that you're on closer and closer as the weeks go on. That's what I'm to saying. To not trusting the climb. Because especially when the season opened up and Oklahoma was just bad Texas was bad. The Big 12 was essentially fair game. And now we have Oklahoma State and Iowa State taking this mark in the Big 12 right now because it is open. And, okay, so somebody could say, well, we all have the best defense in the nation. Like, how are you, you going to criticize this coach? Look at what they're doing. I, I think most of that defense was either recruited before he got there or was recruited by his defensive coordinator who's not there anymore. Like, I don't know if anybody's pointing that out, but Vic Koenig might have built a studly defense and then got 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 the boot. But, I, I mean, like, it might not even be Neil Brown that's led to any success on this football team because it seems that offensive mistakes and play calling have been the reason we've been losing since he's gotten here, and he's the offensive coach. Yeah, I, I agree. And our, the play calling, I have not enjoyed. I didn't enjoy Dana Holgerson's play calling either. You know, dropping back 70 times a game to throw the ball. Did not was, enjoy that. It was better, though. They still hung 50 I don't know if it was better. It was more fun to watch, for sure. They hung 50 on quite a few teams. Mm-hmm, but we also had the most electric offense in college football a couple of those times. With great receiving cores, good quarterbacks who could put the balls in spot. Yeah, it'd be so nice think, right now, wouldn't it? It would be. You, you, could you imagine if, like, Will Greer had a defense <laughs> like this? No, no. Oh, my God. Cheat code. But I don't think we're playing bad offensively. I think it's the play calls down the stretch. Like, Jared Dagey, 36. We didn't play bad. We just – I'm tired. It's every week. We didn't no, play I, I bad. We just didn't catch the ball. We didn't okay, well, play bad. We just didn't convert fourth and one in the fourth quarter in the red zone. Like, it's always something. I agree. This it is, is always something. This is the I know. problem. But on the brighter side of things, my man crush, Jared Dagey, did have a not a great game, good game. Didn't he turn didn't, the ball over. He didn't play terribly. I agree. No, he still dropped back fifty times, which I hate to see. Thirty-six of fifty isn't horrible. With the Letty situation, that's tough, though. I understand because Alex Sinkfield, he, he's been putting it on the ground a little bit. I could, I could see where they maybe wouldn't trust him to carry a yeah. larger load against a team like Texas. Uh, but that's a lot. He, he's, he's good, not great. You know. Mm-hmm. No, I. And I agree. I'm still on the Daggy train. I think Jared no, Daggy is the quarterback. He can't just hop off the Daggy train. Exactly. 
But he's the quarterback that gives us the best chance of winning out of our three guys, out of Garrett Green, Austin Kendall, and Jared Dagey. Garrett Green's too young. We all know our feelings for Austin Kendall. He's may, may, might be our least favorite player to ever step on a football field at this moment. Sure, he's a great guy off the field, but on the football field, the guy's not not great. Um, so Dagey, I, I think he can get it done against TCU. We're going into TCU this week, like we said, and their offense is not good either. Um, not a great running game. Their leading rusher is their quarterback, whose name I need to look up it's right now. It's Max, a weird name. I believe it's Max Dugan. It's it's something weird. I don't like his yeah. name. Like I think his parents hated him. Scooby Dooby Dugan, I think it is. How much do you have to hate your kid to to name him Max Dugan? I mean, I think I mean, they had no like, choice the over the. They didn't have any choice over the Dugan. I, you, you mean, you totally can. At some point, people have to change their own last names because of how horrible they are. Well, I mean, what do you got against Dugan? It's you, just a weird last name. You think we're going to get after him this week? Or you think you think he's going to go run run shot, rag shot, something shot? I don't know what that is. Uh, on our defense, rag. Which what, what is that word? Well, considering last week, uh, the man throwing the ball was 11 of 23 for 73 yards and an interception. The man's... Doesn't get it done in the air, but against Texas Tech last week, he did run for 154 yards and three touchdowns, which we did have trouble with against Texas Tech against their quarterback, Columbia, and he didn't run as much as that. So I'm nervous for that aspect of TCU going forward. But besides that, their run game is almost non-existent if it's not from the quarterback position. And we have athletic defenders who could essentially run a spy. I would trust a Dylan Tonkery to run a spy on Dugan if we needed to. It, yeah, it all boils down to whether or not our offense shows up once again. Either we're going to be but, in the football game minimum. Yep. And either our offense needs to show up or our defense needs to come up big because our defense is what's going to win us games. Right now, we are a three-point favorite going into TCU, which I hate to see because TCU is just not good as well. Um, oh, But they, they do have quality wins. Wins over Texas Tech, Baylor, and Texas which are three good teams in the Big 12 that they've beaten, except for Baylor. Baylor's not having a great year. And they got Gary Patterson. He's one of the best coaches in all of college football, too. He's going to have them in that football game. I expect, like, a stingy, like, 24-21 to 21 game that I'm not really sure how it's going to go. I think if the score is going to be a little bit closer to our Texas game, 17-13, it might be a 20-14 to 14 game. So you think our offense is going to suck again? I think our suck offense is going to suck again. We suck again! <laughs> Uh, it's immediately what I thought of when we lost that game. No, and yeah, also, no. I want to touch back on Texas real quick. Do you think Neil Brown doesn't trust Casey Legg, the kicker? No. No, he did exactly what I did. He came from a high school uh, that's known for soccer, and he was just a, a good soccer player. And then he walked on to the team, gave it a go, and like actually made the roster. But you've got to so, think. I mean, he's, he's literally better than me. Like It's not exactly what I did, but he's like I, – I, He's like a, a couple upgrades from me. So he, he probably shouldn't even be out there. No, I don't think he trusts him at all. Okay, because that was, you know, it was it was fourth and short. And it's a short field goal. It's sub 35 yards, I believe. And with well, the last name Leg, you've got to be a kicker. Like, if your last name is Leg, you're a kicker, a punter, you played soccer, or you coach some sport where kicking's involved. I mean, he hit a couple earlier in the game. I think he trusts him from 35. I have no problem with him going for it, just just run a more conservative play. Just go like it's a, it's a yard. You know, that was my problem with it. I agree. I agree. But I want to touch on that from a kicker's perspective, you being a kicker. 
Yeah, no, I shouldn't trash the kid. I relate to him. There's just part of me that feels like maybe I could be doing what he's doing. I mean, yeah. not lit, not literally, but like, what do you have to do? Just not suck in like three practices and then you make it. You know what well, I mean? You- Anybody can hit like a long field goal. It's about the mm-hmm. consistency. Like, if you could show up in a practice and do that, like, I think I don't D one, D two doesn't matter. I think you could pull it off. Well, you are the man that said, I'm going to go to college and kick. And then you were like, screw it. I'm going to go play baseball. That's what I'm saying. And then you yeah. said, I'm done with baseball. And then you were like, ooh, they need a kicker. I'm back. That was the best decision of my life. You have the most whirlwind college athletic experience of maybe anybody. Yeah, I, I think it was fun. I mean, whoever said never quit, you know, they they didn't they didn't give the real D2 experience a chance. All right. There was no 5 a.m. meetings every day. None of that. We just kind of hopped around. We played the spring games, the whatever fall ball, baseball games. And, and then and then you did the next thing. I don't know. No, it was weird. It was weird. So this week on Twitter, we asked our followers if they had any questions for us to answer that they wanted us to talk about on the podcast, to debate, talk about whatever it was. And we had a question from one of our loyal listeners, Alex Krupa. He wants us to discuss if the NFL playoffs or the NFL season ended today, what teams get upset and who's making the Super Bowl. So let me lay out the AFC for you real quick. In our first game, the wild card, we have the number six seeded Vegas Raiders. Vegas Raiders. Going up against the Buffalo Bills. Da Bills. Da Bills. You got the Bills, Bills taking Bills, that one. Bills. I don't have the Bills okay. taking that one. I love the swag of the Vegas Raiders. I think they're good for like one upset win, even though they're a little up and down. They beat the Chiefs earlier this year. They've shown that they can win some big games, beat the Saints. I like their very explosive team, exciting team. I got the Vegas Raiders. All right, so we got the Vegas Raiders coming out there. Next, we have... It's it's a rematch from last year. We have the Tennessee Titans and the Baltimore Ravens. At the the Ravens are that wild card, the fifth seed. The Tennessee Titans are the fourth seed. Big revenge game. Can Lamar Jackson get his swag going in the playoffs? He's been great in the regular season, historically great so far in his career, but hasn't been able to get it done in the playoffs. I think he figures it out at least early in the postseason in 2020. I got the Ravens. I'm going to agree with you there. I think the Baltimore Ravens are a great team going forward. If Lamar can figure out how to get it done in the playoffs, they're going to be very, very scary. He's the most electric player in football right now, can get it done with the arms and his legs. He's so much fun to watch. They have a great run attack with Mark Ingram and J.K. Dobbins. We have the Ravens advancing past the Tennessee Titans. Now this is where things start to get interesting. We have the Vegas Raiders against the Kansas City Chiefs in a rematch. Vegas Raiders took them down earlier this year. Once again, exciting team. There would be a lot of offense in that game. But I just kind of think back to the playoffs last year uh, when it was the Texans and the Chiefs. The Texans were up big on Kansas City early on. And then just in like five, ten minutes, everything completely flipped. And the Chiefs were up by a ton because that offense just got going and hit a few big plays. They can do that whenever they want, so I'm always going to take the Chiefs. They're just so loaded. Kansas City. I agree with you. I think the the Raiders are going to be able to put up a fight for some of the game, but at the end of the day, it's Kansas City, and they're the team to beat through this whole playoff. Going in next, we have a historic rivalry in the NFL, the Baltimore Ravens against the Pittsburgh Steelers to go up and face the Kansas City Chiefs. Who we got? Two division rivals going at it. This will be the third time they meet. 
usually when you think about that rivalry, you think about a lot of defense, a lot of physicality. Uh, Ray Lewis playing old days against James Harrison. The league's changed a little bit. Now it's all about Big Ben versus Lamar. Uh, and this year so far, I'm going to go with Big Ben. He's got more playoff experience. That game truly is a toss-up. Uh, but right now, Big Ben's probably in his last two seasons uh, of really having a chance. I think that window's closing, and I, I think he's going to take advantage uh, of his opportunities in 2020. So I'm going to I'm going to take the Steelers in a very close ball game. I'm with you. I think the Steelers have, if not the best, one of the best defenses in football with T.J. Watt and Bud Dupree on the other sides, and Minka Fitzpatrick playing center field back there, picking up anything that gets thrown his way. I think they hand it to the Baltimore Ravens, and I correct myself, this won't be the third time they meet because the season is stopping today. So that third matchup is not going to happen. So in the AFC Championship, we have the Kansas City Chiefs versus the Pittsburgh Steelers, number one, versus number two. Is Do, do the Steelers have a fighting chance against the Kansas City Chiefs? I feel like that's fair to ask. They absolutely do have a fighting chance because I know that they can score points against Kansas City. And if they can get pressure to Patrick Mahomes and try to hit him before he does some ridiculous sidearm stuff, maybe, maybe they can slow down that offense. But until I see it, until they're literally dethroned, I'm not going to stop taking Kansas City. They're just too good, in my opinion. So they have a chance, but I'm, I'm going to take the Chiefs. I agree with you. I think they've got too many weapons on offense and the best quarterback in the game, Patrick Mahomes. He's the best player in football. There's a reason people are paying him half a billion dollars to throw a football because he's just that good. And the Chiefs are going to come out of the AFC, put that money in the bank. It's almost a done deal. Done deal. So now transitioning to more of an open division where we don't really know who could come away with it. We have the NFC. The first game we're going to have is the Pete Carroll led Seattle Seahawks at the number three spot facing the Kyler Murray, Cliff Kingsbury led Arizona Cardinals. It's going to be a shootout. Any game that Seattle's going to win is probably going to involve a lot of points. But Russell Wilson, uh, despite the fact that he's had some turnover issues uh, recently, is that guy. He can pull the rabbit out of the hat in any situation. I have the Seattle Seahawks there. I think that their defense gets exposed maybe later in the postseason. But in that matchup, I would take Seattle. I agree with you there. This is the second time they would meet in this playoff scenario. Having lost to the Arizona Cardinals in overtime, I don't think Pete Carroll gets beat twice like that. Only worry I have is Kyler Murray running all over him like he did in the first game because he is mobile, agile, and hostile when it comes to him carrying the football. We but, want some more. We want some more. But we have the Seattle Seahawks taking it from the Arizona Cardinals. Next, we have... I, I think we don't even have to discuss this one. It's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus the Philadelphia Eagles. Timmy Brady is not very good against the NFC East. Historically, 0-3 in Super Bowls. Who knows? It could happen again. It could happen. If it does happen, then that's I, th I think that's a sign of the apocalypse. If the worst team making it to the playoffs with three wins right now at this point, three wins. Every other team has at least five, and we're stopping at week nine. If they were to win this game, it's the end of the world. Yeah, the coronavirus gonna is going to kill us all. The aliens are going to come down and terraform the Earth and make it their own, and they're going to live here now with their robot companions. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't see it. 
Yep, Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going on against the Philadelphia Eagles. So now things start getting interesting here. We have the New Orleans Saints, the number one seed, versus the Seattle Seahawks, the number three seed. Saints are coming around. They're starting to play some really, really great football. Mm -hmm. I like New Orleans. I agree with you. I like New Orleans as well, as much as it pains me, because I do think the Seahawks are a great team. The more I think about it, the Saints' defense is going to be able to get to Russell Wilson and going to be able to guard DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett down the line. And I think Drew Brees has this one good year left in him, at least one good year, where he can make a run. And after this, he just needs to hang up the cleats and pick up a microphone and go take that standing offer. We were talking about the big Ben Roethlisberger window closing. Mm-hmm. I think Drew Brees' is probably even a little smaller. 100%. It, it's do or die time, but I, I think he has the team to at least give a shot this year. I agree, especially if Michael Thomas stops punching coaches in the face and can play in the playoffs. Yeah, can't be having that. Yeah. So the, the New Orleans Saints are cemented in the NFC Championship game, facing off against divi- either division rival Tampa Bay or – the Giants winner of Super Bowl number one, the Green Bay Packers. The Green Bay Packers against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Aaron Rodgers has been wheeling and dealing, snapping necks. No, uh, has been I don't snapping know. necks and cash and checks. Snapping necks and cash and checks. Um, I, I'm going to go with Aaron Rodgers. I am also going to go with Aaron Rodgers. I think he's got more talent at this stage in his career, Tom Brady, historically. You know, they always argue the GOAT versus the boat. Brady's the greatest of all time, but Aaron Rodgers is just the best. He has great arm talent, great mobility, great accuracy, good leadership qualities, and I think the Green Bay Packers get it done. And then now we have another number one versus number two scenario, the New Orleans Saints versus the Green Bay Packers. New Orleans Saints, wow, we, we are just not picking that many upsets, Croup Dog. Sorry. Well, we had the upset. We had the Buffalo Bills upset, and technically the Buccaneers and the Eagles is an upset. Technically. <laughs> because they're the four seed. They won their division. So that's No, it's not. No, it's technically not. an upset. That doesn't count. That's technically an upset. That does not count. <laughs> so New Orleans Saints Green Bay Packers Alright so after the Bucks pull out the upset And take the heartbreaking loss Against the Packers in the next round We got the Bucks no, we, got the, we got the Packers and the Saints rather I'm, I'm going to probably still take Aaron Rodgers Because the, the Packers defense Has played pretty solidly this year mm-hmm. And he's going to be ready to rock He wants another one He's real boy He, he looks he looks like a 29-year-old Aaron Rodgers. Like, he's reborn. He's he's that dude again. I agree, and I love to see it because I'm a big Aaron Rodgers guy. I think he's great. I think he's one of the greatest quarterbacks we have seen in our lifetime. So I can agree and think the Packers are going to beat the Saints. It's going to be a hard-fought battle, though. That's what we got. We, we talked about earlier, Marshawn Lattimore, the front seven for New Orleans. They're no slouch, but the Green Bay Packers are taking it away from the Saints. So in the Super Bowl, we have the Andy Reid. Kansas City Chiefs, and the Aaron Rodgers. I know he's not the coach, but I can't think of their coach's name right now. What is it, Matt LaFleur? Yep. It is Matty LaFleur. The Matty LaFleur-led Green Bay Packers. Is this a game? Oh, it's a game, but it's one that Patrick Mahomes is going to win. 100%. Because he's Patrick Mahomes. 
is. Yeah. But that's a dream matchup, though. I think that's because they play the most like each other. I think they're the only two that you could really compare to one another. You mean players or teams? Quarterback uh, players. Patrick yes. Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers. I agree. Because they're the only two that can really sling it from different arm slots the way that they do. And that's what I said when Patrick Mahomes started getting all of this airtime on ESPN, is that Aaron Rodgers has been doing this for years, throwing sidearm no-look passes. It's just Patrick Mahomes is a little bit better at it than Aaron Rodgers. He's a little bit better. He can do it a little bit more ridiculously. He's but they both had, make insane plays. Yes, and he's also just had a great coach for that system in Andy Reid, who loves to air the ball out and take risks. Totally. Gunslingers quarterback. So in our hypothetical scenario where the NFL playoffs ended after this week, Krupa, we have the Kansas City Chiefs defeating your Green Bay Packers. You're a Packers fan. Uh, they made it to the Super Bowl, but they couldn't get it done. We have one more question, and this relates to the Pittsburgh Steelers, who we did not have making the Super Bowl. This comes from at Luke underscore French, 1216, our, our guy Luke French. His question is, the significance of, or he wants us to discuss, the significance of Mike Tomlin's 14 straight winning seasons to start his head coaching career. Is he spoiled by coaching arguably the best franchise in NFL history, or does he deserve more credit than he's typically given? I'm going to give an answer right off the bat. Go for it. I think he's given the perfect amount of credit. I don't think he's underrated or overrated. I think he is a good to great NFL coach, but he has also had the luxury of coaching a team. He took over as head coach, I believe it was two years after they won a Super Bowl. Yep. In our lifetime, about 20 years, they've had two losing seasons. And that's that's not a lot at all. Most teams have a lot more than that. That's that's they've had more winning seasons. They've had more losing seasons than the Washington football team has had winning seasons. No, it's impressive. The consistency is impressive. But what you've got to take into consideration, and I think what Luke wants us to get to the bottom of, is their consistently being a good to great team, part of them being a great franchise, or Mike Tomlin's coaching? Yeah, because he adopted a great situation. Mm-hmm. You adopt Big Ben Roethlisberger. Troy Polamalu. You're taking over a team that already had that tough uh, Pittsburgh Steeler identity with Bill Cowher and, and already had a stacked defense and had mm-hmm. Dick LeBeau as the defensive coordinator. So he definitely deserves credit, yes. But I, I don't know if you put him in that. that He is a Hall of Fame coach. I, I'm, w- I'm with Mike here. I don't think he's in a top 10, top 15 type of conversation, but he's a Hall of Famer. He deserves a lot of credit, yeah. He's definitely a Hall of Famer. Um, You say top 10, 15, you're talking all-time in the history of coaches? Yeah, I'm saying he's not on that level, but he's a Hall of Famer. I would also say he's not in that top 10 to top 15. He might, if he wins another Super Bowl, he could make that argument because, you know, the short list of those guys, obviously, you've got one guy that's still coaching right now, Bill Belichick. You've got Bill Parcells. You have, um, you know, uh, Vince Lombardi. I don't know why I can't think of his name. His name's the trophy. Don Shula, Mike Shanahan, you know, guys that have historically been able to get it done. And it might go down that if he gets another Super Bowl or if he continues coaching, because he's very young. He's one of the youngest head coaches in the NFL. He's on the level of other coaches that are on his level, that have – one or two Super Bowls and a lot of regular season wins. 
Mm-hmm. Like him and Andy Reid are probably in a similar conversation. I could agree with that. He's he's a he's, he's around like the, those types of guys. Tom Coughlin won two, retired, mm-hmm. but had a whole lot of wins on his resume. He, he's in that class. I agree with that. And then to go back to one of the last points Luke asked was, is he spoiled? I think we kind of touched on it, but I want a definitive answer. Is he spoiled for the yes. fact that he coaches the Pittsburgh Steelers? I agree that it is yes. He lucked into a much better situation than most other first-time head coaches have. Look, Ben Roethlisberger's a stud. I feel like I've said his name 7,000 times in the last 10 minutes. but He's a top 15 quarterback of all time. Yes, no no question. Yeah. And he's he's made a lot of people's careers that have left and had worse careers after they left. Mm-hmm. Antonio and, and Brown, I, one of them. Yeah, so you know, say what you want about him off the field. There's definitely been some things uh, arise. He's not always the most popular guy. I don't know if he's trying to be, but but he's a stud. He is. So to answer so, your question, yes, yes, Luke, he's spoiled. He is spoiled. And we believe that he gets the perfect amount of credit, that he is a good coach. He's a he's a top coach in the NFL right now. We're not denying that at all. Are you giving him Hall of Fame? If he retired right now and never coached again, I think he's a Hall of Famer, but not a first ballot. Okay. I would say it would take a couple years for them to be, you know, we, we should induct Mike Tom, especially as a coach. If you're a coach, it's most of the time you've coached for 30-some years because nobody – is a head coach at 36 or 34 like he was. He was younger than some of his players. I feel like like Tony Dungy got in recently. Like I think he's he's around like Tony Dungy's level because Tony I Dungy think- got one with the Colts. He mm-hmm. was always just he was really really good for his whole career, really consistent. I think Mike Tomlin's that same level. I would agree with that. I agree. Thank you, Luke and Alex, for both submitting your questions. In the future, we'll be doing this again. Just respond to us on Twitter when we tweet that out. And we would be happy to answer your questions. But that does it for another episode of the What's the Snaps podcast. Again, make sure to follow us on YouTube and on Twitter at What's the Snaps. Make sure to give us a follow. Send us a DM if you want. If there's something you want us to talk about, be happy to. But that does it for us. I'm Mike, along with Mike Sussman. You guys have a good one.